the game of the week. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you have to be listening to us. And it's great right we're brought together by the internet. Last three guys to do a podcast are back for this, the first full weekend of NFL action and the second full weekend of college football action. There is a lot to unpack. It's like the Kardashians after a two-week trip. There is a lot of things going on, a lot of stuff to get to, but we're going to start on the college side of things, simply because our guest is going to be Ben Moore from 24-7 Sports, the Georgia State beat writer. We'll be talking about the Panthers' near-upset victory yesterday against North Carolina. They only lost by seven points, but even in regards to that, even in spite of that, the Sun Belt balled out last week last weekend they did it's Appalachian State of course we're not surprised about Appalachian State doing it they went to Texas A&M and completely just manhandled the Aggies and of course getting involved in the act we actually and Daniel Leon and I actually predicted this last week when we were talking about it Georgia Southern went to Nebraska they went to Lincoln and they beat the Cornhuskers in an absolute offensive explosion 45-42 is the final score. They, the Cornhuskers uh, couldn't hang on. The Eagles got up there. They withstood it. They hung tough. They delivered the final blow, and it was enough to knock out one Scott Frost, the athletic director, Trev Alberts. And honestly, I didn't know Trev Alberts was Nebraska's athletic I director I until, I looked, until I looked it up. He put a notice this morning on social media saying he had talked to Scott Frost. And basically, Scott, you're gone. Thanks for your service. I should never have let you come back from Dublin. Uh, But he's gone, and Nebraska has to turn the page immediately. And I do believe that this is going to be a lost season in terms of the Cornhuskers. Mickey Joseph, one of the... One of the assistants is you're going to be your, I guess he's your interim head coach. Yeah. Interesting thing about Mickey Joseph, he is the first African-American head coach at Nebraska. Uh, wow. In yeah. any sport. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. In any sport? In any sport. <laughs> the question is, is, is that just natural selection? <laughs> well, it depends. What coach, what, do, you, do we know what he coached? Uh, what what type of what, what yeah. where he was on the assistant where yeah. he was the OC the DC now, I he could have just been in the assistant head coach yeah it could have been bumped up so. it could have been yeah. I do not know I'll probably have to have to look that up so a lot so the Sun Belt and, and of course I forgot to mention Marshall their defeat of Notre Dame Notre Dame again Notre Dame uh, again they had that loss first week of the season Southern Cal. Southern Cal's a good team. I wasn't prepared to write off the Irish after that one, but, boy, losing at home to Marshall, that's not a good look. And Daniel and I were talking about this in the parking lot as we were coming in today. I'm still not used to Marshall being in the Sun Belt because they're only about – it's only about a technically a couple weeks since Marshall is competed in the Sun Belt since they moved in. Right. So I'm really still getting used to that idea, and I'm not ready to count – this particular game put a feather in the Sun Belt cap for this one. I'm not really comfortable with claiming Marshall, but still, it's a great week to be a fan of the Sun Belt Conference. Yeah, I got John. That's fine. You know, for for those who don't know, Nebraska. I'm a lifelong Nebraska Cornhuskers fan. Since we've gotten to the big, since we've gotten to the Big Ten in 2018, mm-hmm. 16 and 31. 34% winning percentage. But, yeah, we made this observation la- uh, last time we got together. I didn't. I says I said Nebraska should never have made that move. Three touchdown favorite to win the game last last night. Mm-hmm. We were three touchdown favorite, and we lost. 
this is this is one of those things where you just kind of feel you feel sorry for the program. You feel sorry for Scott Frost, you know. But again, six out of those those thirty one losses, twenty two of those were by seven points or less. Come on, man. At home. At home. And, and, and a lot of those were at home. And then to put the nail in the coffin, you lose the Georgia Southern. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to have to put a pin in that conversation. As joining us right now on our hotline is Ben Moore, the staff writer of Georgia State, covers the Panthers for 247sports.com. It's funny, he comes up on my phone as Benjamin Moore, so I'm thinking, why, why is Paint giving me a call? But it is our friend Ben. Ben, how are you today? I'm great, fellas. Appreciate you having me on. Oh, Ben. Glad to have you on, Ben. Okay. Uh, Panthers held tight with North Carolina. They just couldn't get it done. They couldn't quite get over the hump. In your opinion, what was the key in that game that prevented Georgia State from getting another notch in the Sun Belt? Yeah, really just uh, just ultimately the same kind of story the, the first two uh, the first two weeks of this season so far for Georgia State. Uh, defensively been super strong, uh, really tough, forcing turnovers, really making the opposing quarterbacks uh, uncomfortable, stopping the run uh, for the most part. It got a little leaky there in the, in the second half uh, against North Carolina. But uh, just again, you know, some special teams uh, mistakes. Um, we, we had that certainly against South Carolina. You saw two block punts for touchdowns, so something that had not happened for the Gamecocks in over 22 years. And then you look at um, you know the, the game on Saturday where um, the Panthers you know had a field goal blocked. Uh, their punt coverage, uh, return coverage was not great. Let a couple balls drop, and then ultimately just needed a timely uh, you know another couple timely throws or, or catches, and um, you know things kind of got off the rails there toward the fourth quarter. But uh, certainly an admirable effort uh, for the Panthers as they continue to you know actually get on the other side of this in the non-conference with, with two back-to-back Power Five opponents. Now they're on the other side of that and can face uh, a, a little bit, I won't say easier, but more manageable schedule for the next 10. Yeah, especially with Charlotte coming up. But, uh, Daniel. Yeah, Ben, listen, and me and the guys were just talking about it, and John alluded to it earlier uh, when we were coming on the broadcast, and I said it to him outside. The Sun Belt Conference showed up and showed out uh, mm-hmm. this weekend. Um, so this is a Sun Belt question two, uh, and two questions for you. One – which Sun Belt team, and you can include Georgia State into this because I thought they were impressive up into that, those last few minutes. Which Sun Belt team impressed you the most with their victory or lack thereof? And what statement do you think the Sun Belt is trying to make, or did they, or what, uh, what are they making? What statement are they making? Yeah, really, is nothing new. And if, if for folks that cover, you know, group, group of five football, uh, they're not stunned by what what happened yesterday at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Appalachian State certainly, the folks remember the huge win against Michigan. But I mean, in, in the same season, they knocked off this same North Carolina Tar Heel team that was in Atlanta and South Carolina in the same season. So they they did the Carolina two from their own self and knocked both of them off on the road. Um, you know, two mammoth, uh, obviously, uh, you know, top ten victories there at Marshall and um, you know, and, and Appalachian State. Uh, even throwing Georgia Southern in there, beating a really bad Nebraska team, you know, like that. Those are named, you know, name value wins for the league. 
And I mean, I, I can tell you the happiest guy in the world right now is Keith Gill, the commissioner <laughs> of the Sun Belt, because oh, yeah. you know yes. he went out there and, and went to bat and um, you know wanted to get obviously the league to expand, uh, increase the uh, Sun Belt's TV deal with ESPN, which is now uh, approximately two million dollars per program per season. Um, so you know he, he's swinging aces, and you go back to the week one. I mean, Old Dominion knocking off uh, Virginia Tech was an enormous you know named brand victory. Uh, there for the league as well. So uh, through, through week two, um, you know, definitely it looks like the Sunbelt East is the Sunbelt Beast, as everyone thought it would be uh, going rolling into media day. And uh, and, and all, all the while, you know, the folks over there in Cajun country out west uh, would, would love to remind everyone that is uh, paying attention. Yeah, they just won their 15th straight game. They have the longest, uh, the, the nation's longest winning streak right there in Lafayette and uh, are favored to win this weekend. So, um, you know, the, the league certainly has a lot to brag about right now. Uh, we know the, the shuffling that happened at the very top of college football. Um, we know the, the filter down effect to that. But um, in, in terms of Sun Belt and regional robberies and, and obviously bringing in the newbies there uh, July 1st, it, it is it has certainly played out fantastically through, through the first two weeks of the season. You know, one thing that stood out to me as far as Georgia State is concerned is though Darren Granger didn't really light it up per se, but three touchdowns, no interceptions, though in a losing effort, is something to sort of hang your head on as far as him not being like a turnover machine, so to speak. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the thing about ultimately, obviously the expectations go as the quarterback goes, right? Yeah. Ultimately, I mean, Darren Granger, you know, did not have a great game in his return to South Carolina. He's from the state of South Carolina against the University of South Carolina. Probably grew up going to games at williams Bryce Stadium or watching them, obviously, on TV between South Carolina and Clemson. So it was an enormous moment for him and 20 other scholarship uh, you know, football players who are from the state of South Carolina. We know it was an enormous game in week one there for Coach Elliott as well. So for, for them to be you know, beat by three touchdowns certainly hurt. He bounced back yesterday. I, I thought it looked good uh, throwing the football, finding, finding guys in space. Uh, really got hot in the third quarter, was four for four for 102 yards and a touchdown, um, you know, driving the offense with his legs, driving the offense with his arm. And, and that's really what the Panthers are going to need. They're going to need you know, him to be able to be kind of that maestro there uh, and, and one of the nation's you know, leading uh, rushing, rushing attacks. And I think that's the biggest thing, ultimately, the Panther fans can, can wrap their heads around you know, so far through two weeks. You put up 200 yards of rushing on South Carolina in week one, a, you know, a, a proud SEC program that's had very good defensive players. And, and then yesterday you go another 230-some yards against North Carolina. This, this Panther Express, as they call it, is not slowing down. Uh, it's it's yeah. getting stronger. You, you have a veteran offensive line. Obviously, you have a veteran quarterback. You've got veteran running backs. Uh, this, this team is going to be a problem for Sunbelt programs and, and I think even the two remaining uh, non-conference schedule with uh, Charlotte coming up this Saturday and then uh, going the trip to Army. Uh, the Army right now is 0-2. So uh, the Panthers have certainly a lot of, a lot of things to look forward to but uh, and, and maybe some issues that they need to get ironed out. But right now, quarterback one, uh, Darren Granger, is not one of those guys. No, Darren Granger certainly is the linchpin. Uh, one of the last three guys to do a podcast, we've got on Ben Moore from 247sports.com talking Georgia State football. Ben, I'm you, you're talking about how positive Georgia State are. Well, let me look at the negatives for you. First of all, almost 90 yards of penalties yesterday, and more importantly, a 4-16 and 16 on third down conversions. In terms of getting, in terms of cleaning stuff up, they've got to get rid of the penalties, and they've got to be a little better on third down. 
Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, those are the key. Those are the key factors, right? And every coach looks at that and says, "All right, so what, how do we do penalty wise? How do we do on third down? How do we do on fourth down? And and conversely, how do you stop the other team on third down?" I think the Panthers' defense rose up and played played exceptionally well. But you know, for the second straight week, basically, the Panthers' offense got off to a really slow start in the first half. And North Carolina, you know, we saw that certainly in the first two weeks. Uh, they went up against the Appalachian State in week one. If they can score some points, and that's the one thing that that this team has seen that from the film. Look, you don't want to get into a track meet, you know, get up in the 50s and 60s. That's not really Georgia State's game. They want to ball control. They want to move the sticks on third down. And they weren't able to do that at times. So, um, you know, Coach Elliott was talk, you know, talked about that in the press conference post game. Uh, had some opportunities with uh, fourth down and less than three. And certainly, you know, there was, there was opportunities to, to use his uh, very strong experience, depth, you know, deep offensive line and a veteran quarterback. But he, he elected to punt. Um, you know, and, and then unfortunately, late in, late in the game, there, you know, just just did not did not come up with you know the plays there at the end and on the offensive and defensive side of the ball uh, to to get the ball back. And he punted it back. I think it was a third third and eleven, uh, and they you know basically ran a ran a short short drive, you know, short option play to the short side of the field, got stopped, and uh, you know unfortunately had to punt there, um, you know, to to give it back. And and as it happens in football, sometimes you punt it. You can't get a stop, then you never get the ball back, and you know the other team's doing the victory formation on your field, which isn't isn't very fun for sure. But I think it was uh, still it's a feather in their cap to have a Power Five team come to Center Park Stadium, first one in history. Uh, it just seems like that is a makes this in and of itself a milestone for the Georgia State program to have that type of audience. And of course, North Carolina, they're doing it as a form of penance. I, t- I totally understand that, but it still happened, and this is can only help Georgia State moving forward. Yeah, it is, and I, and I think it's the next the next step and the next evolution of this football program. And, and the, the difficult part, that, and honestly, my takeaway yesterday, um, you know, not even from the game itself, I was a little disappointed uh, in just the way uh, things were basically being promoted and pushed. Um, this is an ACC level program, a proud program in the ACC, and and you know the announced attendance was seventeen thousand. Um, you look yeah. around the you look around the Sun Belt, and you you've got you know programs like uh, Appalachian State who will host ESPN's game day this weekend that had over forty thousand for their, um, their their game with this exact same. North Carolina squad, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you've got you know Old Dominion selling out their lower level, completely hosting Virginia Tech. Uh, for some reason, Georgia State is just not getting traction, not not doing a lot of things. And I think there's a lot of things that that you know Director of Athletics Charlie Cobb needs to look at, even President Blake needs to look at. Um, how are they marketing this football program? How are they going out to try to you know bring the students and get the students involved? I would give the student body yesterday they, they credit. They showed up, they stayed, they were loud, they were into the game. Uh, but I think that's again, it's another hurdle. Um, you know, in this football program where, as we know, I mean, Atlanta's super busy. There's a lot of things to do. Um, you know, you don't always have to sit out, uh, you know, noon uh, on, a, on a Saturday afternoon in the fall and uh, go see Georgia State. So, um, you know, it, it is, and I've said it before, I mean, it does take some effort to be a Georgia State football fan. Um, you know, the program certainly has, has, you know, turned around from being, you know, one of the losing programs in the history of, you know, college football or startups. But I, I think there are still a long, long way to go. And I think you saw that. Um, and even some of the crowd shots that uh, the photographers took. And, and uh, you know, I've already seen rivals, you know, jump on and Georgia yeah. State rivals have jumped on and trolled and done things that way, which is what rivals do, right? Yeah. You know, you're going to have that, um, you know, in sports. But but ultimately, there's there's a lot a lot of questions that need to be answered off the field. I don't think there's a ton of questions on the field that need to be answered. The team obviously just has to, to execute and, and uh, you know, lick their wounds basically from the first two weeks and get better for, uh, for Charlotte coming up week three. Well, but the thing that is, and I'll get to Leon's point in just a minute, but the thing that is, we had a 3.30 Georgia game in Athens. We had a late-night game at Bobby Dodd. Did those two, do you think those two things might have siphoned off a couple of fans here and there? 
Um, I mean, to be fair, they're also playing FCS, FCS teams. So, uh, you know, I, like, and this is where I kind of go, and, I, and I've talked to a lot of people around the even the color college football. Um, you know, fans that are going to a Georgia game are not coming to a Georgia State game. Fans that are going to a Tech game, for the most part, aren't going to a Georgia State game either. So I think it's, it's all about really trying to capture – and, you know, get, get those people that are sitting at home, right? How do you how do you build them? How do you break them off their couch? How do you get the students that maybe, you know, not, not hey, they, they've been in class all week and, and what, what makes them want to come down? And it's been it's been an issue. It's really been a problem since the since the program started. And, and you know, I, I said it over and over again. In, in the city of Atlanta, you've got to have one of three things um, you know, to, to start. And basically you need, you know, an exciting product that wins, especially at home. You got to need a, you need a star player, and you need exciting style play. And if you have those three things, or one of those three things, you have a shot. If you have all three things, you can see it. Basically, the electricity continue to build. You know, we saw that obviously with Coastal Carolina with their run in the Sun Belt. You know, just I mean, Conway, South Carolina is not a bastion for college football. They got behind their football program because obviously they were nationally news. Um, you know, App State's obviously had tremendous success over the last few years. Um, you know, coming from the FCS to the FBS days. But I can tell you. There'll be 35 to 40,000 people at least there for ESPN College Game Day because that's a big deal in that town. Um, I don't see the same impact right now in Atlanta at all. I mean, if, if ESPN College Game Day, you know, comes to comes to Georgia State, which they did in Week Zero last year, um, how many Georgia State people are showing up? I, I don't know the answer to that question, but I think it's something that you know, find ways and honestly use a relentless effort to go out there and, and try to build this fan base, which is something they've, they've struggled to do. Yeah, because I know like the, the last game, you know. Far as with North Carolina and Georgia State, they had attendance. It was the attendance was seventeen thousand six hundred eighty-seven, which was like seventy-one percent capacity. Was seventy-one percent capacity? I think that Georgia State they're on the right path. Like playing teams like North Carolina, for example, it takes that just that one good victory, that one good victory to go off and start raising eyebrows and start and, and get things trending in the right direction. I think that you know with. This score right here being 20-35, it wasn't a route. I can say that. You know, Georgia State did, you know, they, they had a, you know, it, it looked to be that way. But the third quarter, Georgia State puts up 18 straight points, 18 unanswered. Unfortunately, what it was, well, it was 18 points, um, 11 unanswered. Unfortunately, they didn't be put much up in the fourth quarter. But I say that the program, as long as, you know, they keep things competitive and, you know, Things can trend up. Can, things things can get better. We, we we can see the football program do the same thing that the basketball program does, so to speak. But I, I think it's, it's got more than that, right? I mean, you, you have you have basically. I mean, the, the last really uh, since moving into Center Park Stadium in downtown East Lincoln Field, uh, home attendance in that first opening home game has dropped each year. Um, you know, the, the interest is not going to be there unless you make and you give people a reason to do it. Right. And I've talked about it because I've got, you know, Generation Z in my own household. The, the, the event of actual college football, just the game itself, is not enough to draw young people in. It's just not. you, you got to give them a, a reason to come in there. you got to have blazing Wi-Fi. you got to have things and events going on pregame. you got to have things, you know, during the game. you got to have things postgame, which are going to be interested in them. So it is a, quite a balance for old-school you know, uh, older guys like us who, who love just the game. Just give us the game. I'm happy with it. You know, the pageantry and marching bands and things like that. Um, that's not enough now where, where you have a, a much smaller attention span to try to grab people in and say, hey, come, um, you know, and especially noon kick. I mean, I had a conversation with multiple people who were like, hey, yeah, we'd love to. 
hey, we, we can even get free tickets, um, you know, or discounted tickets and things like that. But, hey, our kids have activities on Saturdays because it's September and, you know, there's still stuff going on. Until basically kind of understand, and this is something, you know, kind of around the sun, but they don't understand it, right? When you're in Statesboro, when you're in Boone, when you're in Huntington, West Virginia, when you're in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, that is the thing to do. In Atlanta, it's a thing to do. Right. And I think that's the bigger issue that a lot of people just don't understand and have the mentality that you have to go out of your way. You, you have to really make a plan to say, I'm going to go down there and do it. I mean, I had somebody tell me basically for the South Carolina game, the road game, people were trying to go to South Carolina. All right, sounds good. Well, you need a hotel. You need, you need uh, mm-hmm. you know, tickets. You need, you know, basically gas. You need food. You know, you need all this stuff. Uh, for, for some people, that's cost prohibitive right now, and um, that, that's that's the bigger issue. Is, hey, it's, it, it may be a once-in-a-lifetime situation for some, and for others, it just may be another Saturday. So I think that is a big part of this, that this, this program really needs to um, you know, continue to kind of push forward. I know Coach Elliott spoke about it. I mean, he was not happy at all last year with the Texas State homecoming crowd um, and the level of recruits that were there. There was over 150 recruits there uh, Saturday against North Carolina. It was an enormous recruiting weekend with multiple um, you know, commits, they were they were there as well, and then obviously they're they're recruiting as well. It was a huge basketball weekend as well. Tweeted out during the game, you know, Jonas and Jarvis Hayes using using the uh, the, the weekend to, to bring in some uh, very impressive talent there on unofficial visits as well for them. So, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of pieces that can benefit off this. They just all really need to be moving in the right direction, and and uh, still obviously a work in progress at this point. Another thing I want to ask you, Ben, uh, this is a very interesting section of Georgia State's schedule. In five weeks, they got four home games, including a short week after the Charlotte game. They got Coastal Carolina on a Thursday. I know Coach Elliott wants two Ws, but I think that Coastal Carolina game is more important. Uh, what's his What's his outlook going to be? Is he going to Is he going to kind of use a kind of a, a vanilla outlook with Charlotte in order to prepare for Coastal Carolina, or is he just going to try to do both with the same intensity and hope things work out at the end? No, nah, you, you need to win. Uh, I think that's the start, and that's that's kind of the beginning and the end of the station. You know, this was the same situation in 2021. You know, the, the Panthers came in basically with, with multiple losses in a row, um, and, and right before kind of the wheels were got off off the tracks. And if you remember last year in 2021, that's when Coach Elliott went on to the depth chart and really shuffled some things. That's when, you know, Quad Brown was benched for Darren Granger. That's when Destin Coates, the senior running back, was benched for Tucker Gregg and Jemias Williams uh, there in the backfield, and, and really neither one of them saw the field much after that. Um, I don't anticipate a swinging, you know, big, big change there in the depth chart, uh, but I can assure you Charlotte is it's vitally important. Uh, for this for this football team uh, to go out there and not even, not only win but I think get healthy in a little bit like this is the old NBA get right game you know having somebody come in there and, and, and really take it out on them um, and Charlotte is beaten you know I had a chance to talk to their their beat writers up there and and uh, they're on their third string quarterback this is a game that Georgia State should not come close to losing um, and, and already the the line came out and I believe the, the Panthers are favored by three touchdowns at, at 19 um, but you know in, in, as it regards to Coastal Carolina I mean it's they still have an NFL level quarterback in, in great Jason McCall. Um, they still have a very good play caller up there, and Jamie Chadwell and his offensive staff. Um, and 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 Georgia State has not beaten them or, or really come close the last several times that Coastal Carolina has been here. You know, two years ago uh, during the COVID season, I believe it was Halloween Day, 
uh, noon kickoff, and, and the game was basically over at halftime yeah. in, in route to Georgia State's worst ever home loss at 51 and nothing. So um, the Panthers certainly remember that. <laughs> Coach Elliott and his staff have no love lost for that for that staff up there as well. Uh, Jamie Chadwell and Sean Elliott don't get along from from their days uh, years and years ago in the SoCon. So um, there's a lot of people that know. There's a lot of familiarity with the staff, and uh, very interested to see what it looks like. Obviously, coming to Atlanta, um, you know, after struggling, they, I mean, they struggled big time against Gardner Webb, um, you know, the other night, and and uh, maybe an opportunity for them to, uh, to to get a shot as well. They come in, and they'll play Buffalo this Saturday um, at at home, and then then travel down to Atlanta. Uh, to open up their Sun Belt schedule, so um, I think it's a, it's a big game, obviously for the Sun Belt East, um, and, and I think we'll you know kind of shake things out. But um, you know, you, I think you may have several teams in the Sun Belt East who have multiple losses just because the teams unfortunately may cannibalize themselves, like we see in the SEC West. Yeah, exactly. Ben, you mentioned uh, Jarvis Hayes in basketball. Quick question: uh, We're getting close to the start of basketball season. Basketball's got a new coach, Jarvis Hayes, with all this Georgia ties. They got a new building, the Convocation Center. Is this the most excited that people have been for Georgia State's men's basketball in quite some time? And I'm even including the Ron Hunter era. Yeah, I, th- I think the excitement level is very, very high. Uh, and I think part of it with Jonas as well is he's got, I mean, eight, eight of the 11 Jones. guys on the roster are from Metro Atlanta. You know, this, you know, they, the, 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 the Georgia State has long tried to black, brag and say, hey, I, I, we're, we're Atlanta's team. We, you know, we're, we're Atlanta's team. We're downtown. Um, you know, eight, eight of the 11 guys are from the state of Georgia and from Metro Atlanta. And, and Jonas told us, you know, in the press conference that that's the way that he's going to build this roster out. He's going to build Georgia kids and really try to recruit here and and win here and, and let's be honest he's not taking away you know taking over a program that went you know six and 22 last year either i mean this was an ncaa team that beat this you know the one won the sun belt um, i do think expectations outside of the program and certainly outside of georgia state's community and folks that watch this uh will be very low because they see hey you, you lost all five starters um you know you obviously had a senior laden team you lost your head coach and rob lanier um you know there there is obviously some palpable buzz around jonas and the fact that you know he, he has an nit title under under the under his belt um took over that xavier program and they they fired travis Steele. um but but just kind of his mentality and really his staff's men, staff's mentality to get in there and really tell them that they need to accomplish more that's the next the next step for the guys that have been there you know evan johnson's the world colin moore's of the world caleb scott um saw him at the football game yesterday i, I think these guys look here, here's the expectation level where's where it was now we want to accomplish more now these guys just making it to the NCAA is no longer the ceiling. That needs to be the floor. Uh, letting know, it, having that mentality in everything they do to not only win a Sun Belt championship again, but go in there and try to knock off, you know, some name opponents. I mean, you, you play Georgia Tech November the 12th at the Convocation Center. You go down to Auburn um, in, the, in the first game of a home-and-home series over the next two seasons with Bruce Pearl. That's a national, you know, level program. A team that obviously has been, you know, an NCAA tournament and even to the Final Four in recent memory. So, um, you know, they, they have a huge opportunity uh to go and knock off as well as they've got yeah you know, I, I love their non-conference schedule you, you know you got old old a sun and tech foes in, in there with the you know belmont you've got some very strong uh programs coming in from the mid-major ranks as well as well as the brand new sunbelts we talked about for football you know marshall and james Madison, southern miss old dominion um you know i, I think the league is going to be a lot more fun you know and, and we'll see if it's going to be a little bit less top-heavy, but you know, Georgia State's certainly hoping not to have it less top-heavy because they've been at the top of that uh, since we joined the league in 2013-2014. But, yeah, to, to answer your question, uh, yeah, a lot, lot of excitement, obviously, with Jonas and his staff and what he can bring, and, and I think there's a lot of unknown as well, right? We, we don't know what you know, Jonas's stamp is going to be on this program. 
don't really know what a Jonas Hayes offense and defense necessarily look like. Uh, we'll find that out soon enough with a couple exhibition games here in, in uh, just a little bit over a month. All right, Ben, I think we're, we're going to let you go. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be talking to you again as we get closer to basketball season. Of course, as Georgia State wanders through the Sun Belt schedule, some big matchups early on. Of course, Coastal Carolina and that suddenly huge game with Georgia Southern on October 8th from Center Park Stadium. Sounds great, man. Appreciate you having me. No problem. Hey, thanks, man. No problem. Ben Moore from 247 Sports talking to us about all Georgia State stuff. Again, the Panthers with a – well, they didn't get the W. They certainly impressed people. Losing, however, to North Carolina. And, Dan, and uh, Leon, to get back uh, to what you were saying or asking about Mickey Joseph, he was the wide receivers coach mm. before being promoted to interim head coach of Nebraska. Wow. Yeah, it's just the, the level of disappointment that goes in to a loss like that at home. And it goes out to what you said last week, John. On Saturday nights, Nebraska Stadium is – Actually, the second largest city in the state of Nebraska. Yes. Yeah. I mean, th- that is a state that lives and breathes yep. Nebraska football. There's a reason why you've never heard of a Nebraska State University. It's <laughs> right. just the it's just the University of Nebraska. That whole that whole university is that state's identity. Yep. Losing to Northwestern in Dublin, Ireland, really hurt it. Um, almost losing to North Dakota State. In fact, they should have lost to North Dakota State. You know. North Dakota State is a quality FCS team, no question about that. But they expect a certain standard, and that program has just been slipping and slipping and slipping, and finally losing to Georgia Southern. Well, that was just the final straw, and they and uh, Trey Alberts realized this cannot continue. So he's making a change right now, but it's going to be a long, long rebuilding road for the Cornhuskers. They have to get back to their winning ways like they were in the 90s and, right. and going into the 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the last time they were actually relevant in Dominican Sioux was their, uh, was their defensive lineman who was a Heisman candidate. So it, they have to just find a way. And, and this is how you start it, right? I can guarantee y'all, Scott Frost, that was his alma mater. He yes. played football there. Right, that I mean, was his he, dream job. He wanted to succeed. He wanted to do well. So right. like, no, it's like, I, okay, I'm going into this job to absolutely tank. You know, yeah. it, it's it's not like that. It's and, just you know, and to get and to get let go from the school that bridge, it it almost felt as bad as I felt when when Georgia Perimeter College had the layoffs. Well, I had I, I got my degree from there, <laughs> everything, and started working with them, doing everything I could possibly do, you know, and then you get let go. Well, it's, that wasn't the, well, that wasn't their fault. That was the Georgia Board of Education's fault. It still, I still got let go. Yeah, you still got so let go. But it's not like what happened. I see what he said. The point is, I got let go. I got let go because your performance. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know it wasn't. Performance. I got let go simply, you know, from a school. They're ceasing to exist. Yeah, right. I mean, Nebraska is still going to exist. Right. Not just that, but I got let go from a school that I got my degree from that basically bred me. That's all I knew. Right. At that time. That's what I'm saying. Okay. And from Fox's performance, but I can go there too. A lot of that is not on coaching. A lot of that is on the players. Some players just have mishaps. Okay. You know, but of course, as coaches, you're taught to say, hey, listen, this one's on me. Right, mm-hmm. but not every game is on them. Not every game is on Coach Frost. Right, 
when you when you have a record like that, six and twenty-two in close ball games, not every, not all of those games, because not all of those wins are on Scott Frost. Right. You probably had a player out there that made a play, or two. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a tough one, but it it had to be done. Yes, no it question. It had to be done. The question is this: They say he was fired on Sunday. Okay. Today, yes. He's fired today. Fired this meaning was he fired at twelve thirty a.m. Was it 12, I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure Trey Alberts made the decision uh, five seconds after the final horn in that game against Georgia Southern I mean, and, and, and I'm I, sure the fans let him know that and I think Scott in the back of his mind said you know what if if I lose this game, I, I might, I might get out there on Indeed.com. And yeah. for something. Well, you know, <laughs> calling up Coach Saban, saying, right. "Hey, you got a, you got an analyst position for me, or right. something like that." Yeah, I mean, they gave him a fifteen million dollar buyout. All right. So he, he's he's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's good. good. No question. But professionally, he is not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just a bad look. That sixteen and thirty-one. It's like to me, it's like after Tom Osborne retired, because he took over. In the, you know, he took over in the seventies. We were like a staple in the Orange. We thought of Orange, but we thought of Nebraska. Yeah. That's really where the Florida State-Nebraska rivalry really was, you know, was brought in. But it's like when Tom Osborne pursued politics and he handed the rings off to other people that lose, it's like the, the program has just drifted further and further from success as soon as Tom left. It's like we're just – it's like getting back to that – point of greatness is like we're ice skating uphill at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted firing the coach after week three, after such a ridiculous loss like that at home, I understand the the, the, the fan base needed something. We needed something. right? But now it's like, okay, you gave the fan base a firing. We hired the wide receivers coach. Where do we go from now? I would say this, to answer my own question, we need to go off and do what Jackson State did. Drew Brees just retired. <laughs> yeah, you made this conversation. You, you, you made this point last <laughs> week. So you Drew Brees. For Drew Brees. We got to get Drew Brees, man. He brings a winning pedigree. I'm sure he knows what he's talking about. We got to do something. Like We, we got to do something dare me because what we've been doing has not been working. So... Uh, this is my suggestion. If uh, I'm saying if, if Nebraska's alumni who really pulls the strings, who's, who the, the 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 money, the brain trust, the power behind the throne is hearing us, <laughs> call Drew Brees up. <laughs> Let's bring him in. Let's make it happen. Well, this is where the Big Ten's philosophy of nine conference games is really, really hurting Nebraska because they only get three non-conference games, and really this Georgia Southern. This Georgia Southern game was their last chance to really beat up on a non-conference team at home. Because this Saturday, they're hosting Oklahoma. Oh, that's hell. Yeah, we're going, we're going to. So yeah. that is that. I mean, you got to believe the Sooners are just licking their chops at this. What is what is uh, Nebraska's record? One and two. One and two. Okay, so they beat North Dakota State. Yeah. Yes. Right, okay. But, yeah, but they didn't look good at all doing it. They'll be one and three. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> I don't. I mean, here's before you get to your point, yeah. Daniel. Let me go through the schedule. It, after that, after Oklahoma, it's all Big Ten games: Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. So Indiana and Rutgers are winnable games. Okay. Okay. 
the rest of that Big Ten <laughs> drops <laughs> off. It's, 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 just be thankful there's no Ohio State. Yeah, it's Georgia like Southern <laughs> was our eighth consecutive loss of FBS team. Wow. Mm. Eighth. Seven of them, to your point, Daniel, were seven points and under. <laughs> yes. Right? They just can't finish. They can't close. It, that tells me that they have talent mm-hmm. on that team. They, they just can't close. That's it. They, they, and, and it's probably going to segue into, a, into another discussion about a team that can't close. Uh, yes, I was, just, I was just thinking yeah, of that. I was like, boy, I'm looking at the time that. we have left here. We right. got 25 minutes, and, and Daniel real just quick. set me up. Let's get into the NFL. Real quick, real quick. Hold on, one, one, the, second, the, one second. Alabama, we have not forgot about you guys. We're going yeah, 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 to talk about that later. But I want to get to something real quick. Marcus Freeman, he's not under fire, but he probably is under the most immense pressure. Because of that job, that Notre Dame job mm-hmm. that he has, listen, I'm rooting for him, man. I, I'm rooting for him. African-American head coach, you know, of course, there's not enough. Th- there are no coaching positions enough for African-Americans. I don't know why. But, man, he took, a, he took one to the chin against Marshall. And I, and I hope that he's able to get that. I think it's just growing pains for him and his team for the culture. that He's trying to. Uh, preach a particular culture, and that's what we talk about when we talk. Can we please say wait to Atlanta? <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, before we do, before we do, Leon and Alabama and Texas. Texas gave Alabama a much, much bigger test than I thought than any of us thought. Mm. I thought it was going to be Alabama in a cakewalk, and because of it, Georgia gets back into the number one slot. I think they should have had the number one slot anyway, simply because they are the defending champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, Bryce Young certainly showed up to play. Uh, do you want, uh, Leon? You want to make a point on on Alabama? Yes. Fifteen penalties. Mm-hmm. I mean, my goodness, that's a very unsaving like. Look, I mean, you can only put up not, what they only put up twenty points against unranked opponent. I'm trying to figure out who you know who within the NCAA. How did they even get the number one ranking? This yeah. year, when they didn't even win last year. Yes. I mean, everybody now is like to the point. Now is I mean I'm. I understand they're Alabama, but at the same time, you guys lost last year. Mm-hmm. How are you guys getting number one? Then you guys show up with this lackluster. I mean, they didn't cover. I mean, the gamblers are upset. They did not cover the spread. They, how many? T- they were three touchdown favorites. Yeah, over Texas. Yeah, because Texas had a freshman quarterback that came in. He actually lit him up before he got hurt. But uh, the re- here's the reason why Alabama. No power running back. Excuse me. Go ahead. Excuse me. No, no power running back. They don't have that speedy wide receiver. They're looking very pedestrian, guys. Yes. To me, they got the three best players in college football. They've got Bryce Young. They've got uh, Will Anderson. And they got Gibbs, the the transfer from Georgia Tech. Those are the three best players in college football. Those were the three guys that won the game for them last night. Young doesn't make a play with his feet with that 20-yard scramble that he had to set up the field goal. Will Anderson makes a key sack uh, towards the end of the game. And Gibbs makes the touchdown pass. He's actually a running back, but he makes the touchdown pass. And and I get it, but the reason why Alabama comes in at number one is because of that. But not only that, if you're talking about the case of Georgia, Georgia lost, I think, eight defensive starters to the NFL from last year. And their defense was probably the best I had ever seen uh, on a college football scale, right? Right. So, and – we talking about in terms of Miami in the, in the late '80s and in 2000 when Ed Reed was uh, running rampant in the uh, secondary. 
So that's why Alabama's gonna get that is gonna get that nod over Georgia. Georgia just said, okay, well let's just play football. <laughs> and what are they doing now? They've only given up three points all season. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all season. And this is not a scrub Oregon team they giving it up to. Oregon's gonna be in the mix somewhere right. in that Pac twelve. But man, to just do what they do on a neutral field, we, we knew what they're gonna do to Sanford last night. I, you call, I would not call MBS neutral. I'm sorry, I wouldn't do that. I would not call Mercedes Benz Stadium neutral. It wasn't in Athens. It wasn't in. It Sanford doesn't State. matter. I would. I would. It, yes, it I does. would suppose it that does. there are more Georgia fans in Atlanta yeah, than there are in Athens. We just want to make that point in the, when we're talking to Ben because would you say there's actually more Georgia fans? More UGA fans in Atlanta than Georgia State fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So, yeah. And and that when when Ben was talking about you know it's not the thing to do to go to Georgia State game. It is a thing to do. And the reason why it, the reason why is the I say see the, the reason why is a instead of the is because there's actually more Georgia. I know people who when Georgia won from championship last year mm-hmm. from Atlanta who cried. <laughs> yeah. Who literally cried. Right. Yeah. That, that's right. That's right, because UGA's been around forever in a day. Correct. The football program has been around forever in a day. But what I'm saying is that there's a different atmosphere. John, you know this. Right. There's a different atmosphere when you step into a, a college football town, a college football stadium. If Oregon was to play in Sanford Stadium, they would have been beaten worse than that okay. because of the atmosphere that they're in. That, that means a lot. That means a whole lot to me. In Atlanta – Man, it could be LSU fans in there <laughs> trying to do what they do in the in the in the in the dome. Yes, it's in the state of Georgia. It's in Atlanta. Uh, it's only a, about maybe what forty-five minutes away, right, John? Mm, yeah, about that. About forty-five an minutes hour. to an hour away from from Athens yeah. to mm-hmm. Atlanta. I get that part, that portion of it, right? And and, and that's and Oregon and, is traveling. And UGA does travel. Away. UGA right. travels. Yeah, and UGA travels, right? Right. So, but but that's all I'm saying. Right, yeah. I think it would have. I think they would have put up three more scores <laughs> if it was in Sanford Stadium between the hedges. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Right. They, they they put up that. All right, we gotta leave college football behind. Talk about the NFL, and as Daniel mentioned, another team that can't seem to finish. The Atlanta Falcons. They held a commanding lead over the New Orleans Saints in their first game of the season. Their opener, but couldn't hang on. It was Will Lutz, former Georgia State kicker, who has just been an absolute thorn in Atlanta's side. Field goal at the end, and the Saints squeak out of here with a big victory, a victory that Atlanta thought they had, but then they lost. And, Daniel, you were talking to it before, before we got out of there. You, you blame the play calling. Yeah. <laughs> and, folks, I got my head. I got my hand over my he's head. Got his hand, he's right. got his hand buried in his hands. Because I, I don't believe what I at yes I do <laughs> what am I talking about I do believe what I saw they turned the corner okay this Falcons defense looks spectacular they were blitzing on third down and they were able to get the Winston they got they sacks they got sacks and they were multiple sacks they four were, sacks they got four sacks and they were able to touch him yes. it doesn't matter about sacking him they were able to touch him and make him uncomfortable right until the fourth quarter why are you going prevent defense? And you're up 16. That doesn't make sense to me. You keep going after him, man. And, and that's what I, I'm, I'm in a group text with two of my friends, and I keep telling them. And, and we're like, okay, here we go. <laughs> here, we, here we go with this nonsense again. Yep. And 
to to your point which you made before right before we got on the air leon a guy by the name of michael thomas automa- all just shows up and makes plays and again the falcons you throw the ball 30 30 yards downfield you have double coverage and how is it and, and jarvis landry is a great great receiver but how is it that he makes a catch like that? What was Casey Hayward doing? Okay, yeah, I'm calling names. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm calling names at this point. Casey Hayward, you played so well through three quarters. What were you doing? <laughs> um, another problem. All of, we don't even talk about none of this nonsense. Because let me tell you something. The Saints did not impress me. They didn't impress me <laughs> at all. They didn't. The Saints didn't win this game. The Falcons lost it. Right. They, they didn't impress me. How is it that... You're third and one, and all you have to do is get one measly yard, and Cordero Patterson is in the backfield, and the RPO is working for you all game long. Why are you under center? (laughs) (laughs) Why is Mariota under center, and he can't handle it? First of all, how did the ball get to your chest? Yeah, from under center. He put it. He put it. He put it right here. Yeah, he dropped it. And and I said. What what is this, man? I, I don't get it. And then Marcus Mariota had a real good run, which he turned the corner, and the Saints secondary punched the ball out of his hands. Right. And that that is the element of offense that Marcus Mariota brings that Matt Ryan did not bring is that RPO. You guys could run that comfortably. But and and listen, he was he was great. He was great managing the ball. But he has to hold on to that football. Mm-hmm. He has to hold on to it. Pitts did make a – Pitts fumbled, I think, himself. Somebody else fumbled. But, listen, they got to – Zacchaeus fumbled. Yeah, that's what it was. They have to hold on to the football. I like what Drake London did. They got to get him off – they got to get him involved more often. They couldn't get Pitts involved because they double-teamed Pitts. They shut him down secondhand. They said, you, we're not going to let you beat us. Mm-hmm. So, listen, the Saints, the only play – that was great for the well. There was two. There was two plays that were great, and there was one player that showed up. Pete Warner, uh, the safety for the uh, Saints, he was impressive to me. Okay, I give him credit. The only play that the Saints did that made me say, "Okay, that was a great play," was Taysom Hill's 58-yard run. That was it. Nothing else they did for me. Even Michael Thomas's two touchdowns. Look, you just beat uh, you just beat a AJ Terrell who was who was actually ascending to be a great player. He needed that. I'm not impressed with the Saints. I'm gonna keep saying it over and over again. They overrated. Yes, I agree. I agree. I agree. They're overrated. They're overrated. They against another team who can finish. They wouldn't have been able to do that. And I think they play Tampa next week. So we're just so they're gonna crash to earth more than likely. Uh, But you know Mariota's numbers. through for about what 150 yards? Uh, yeah, maybe a little more, maybe a little 215. 215. He did no touchdowns, no picks, no picks. The, the no picks part is fine. I love the no pick yeah. part. I love that. Yeah, but yeah. that's that's telling me he's managing the game. He's not winning yeah. it by himself. He's got Cordell Patterson used him ex- <laughs> used him exhaustively. Got he's 120 yards up. rushing and a touchdown exactly. from him. Yeah. No, no. It's- you, that's what you. That's what you were going to talk about, Patterson. For that, yeah. Cordell Patterson, yeah. So yeah, I'm. I'm not. You know, it's again the defense. I. St- I'm never a big fan of prevent defense. It seems like that's what they were doing in that fourth quarter, and of course it allowed the Saints and Jameis Winston to uh, car- to carve up the secondary, get down, get the yards he needed. He threw for 269 yards on his own. 
two touchdowns for him. Uh, again, Will Lutz, the Georgia State kicker, pretty much enjoying whenever he comes to Mercedes-Benz and just enjoys ripping the heart, stabbing the back, whatever you want to do it over the Falcons fans. Uh, let's talk about, in the time we have off, the other things we've learned from week one. Number one, I think, is that Wow, maybe spending a fourth-round draft po- draft pick on a kicker wasn't a bad idea, at least for the Browns anyway. Cade York, 58-yard field goal as time expires, and the Browns, when their first game, when their opener game, when when, yeah, when their opening game since the Bush administration. Wow, wow. Uh, by beating Carolina, uh, 28-26, and he got four. I'm sorry, 26-24 was the final of that game. Carolina over, Cleveland over Carolina. And the field goals were successively longer. I think the first first one was 26, hit two from 30, and then the last one, a 58-yarder to get the victory. Um, I also think it looks like New England's going to be in for a tough time. They really didn't do anything against the Dolphins. Bengals, I think they had a hangover in their game against Pittsburgh. Steelers won that on the last play of the game in overtime, no less. Detroit showed a lot of gumption. They were down by a lot to Philadelphia, but they came back and almost won that game. The Jets, well, I said at the outset that once Zach Wilson went down for the year, the Jets started thinking to themselves, okay, let's take a look at the quarterback chase for 2023, and their game against Baltimore did nothing to change that opinion. And I guess I wanted to say that the Chiefs are rolling. And, Daniel, you called the Chiefs angry. They're very angry. On the, the, you lose the AFC Championship on the expense of, to the Cincinnati Bengals, who, who were expected to come back this year and, uh, you know, repeat as AFC champs. That's what they had on their mind, at least. Um, if you want to talk about things that I learned, I learned that Aaron Rodgers is going to struggle without Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. I've also learned that sometimes you just can't keep sipping on the champagne. L.A. Rams, I'm talking to you. Yes. That was an awful performance you put on Thursday to open up the season. Mm -hmm. But I also learned from that game that Buffalo is for real, and they will be in the Super Bowl. They are the most complete team in the NFL to me. And as long as they got that big man (laughs) at quarterback by the name of Josh Allen, they're going to be all right. They're going to be just fine. So that's what I've learned. I've learned that it's that while it looks it, it, that while if you want to play football in a monsoon, I want to do it. I want to just be inside watching it. I don't want to be out in it. <laughs> of course, I'm talking about the San Francisco Chicago yeah. game where the most important player was the guy with the squeegee. Yeah. Uh, but boy, what a performance by Chicago in that one. Justin Fields, he is unquestionably the man for them now, and he's actually kind of proved it. In that ball game, and San Francisco did not. I don't know if it was the conditions or whatever, but San Francisco just didn't look very good. What you learned, Leon? Um, hmm. I want to learn the drugs that the GM for the Rams was taking <laughs> when they let Von Miller go. I, I don't get it. Two sacks. My God. <laughs> he sacked Stafford twice. Well, again, that was kind of a revenge tour. And I and I went and the thing with Carolina and <laughs> Cleveland, that was a Baker Mayfield revenge. And it looked like th- through the first, I would say, 20, 25 minutes of this game, that definitely Cleveland got the better of it. But then I don't know if it was a light switch that turned on in Baker's head, but he started balling. He had one drive where he just sent it way down the field in about three or four plays. Christian McCaffrey, they were they were uh, not really sure what his 
status was going to be. There was there was concern that he had tweaked something, but really all that was was just a minor cut. It was like a paper cut. So nothing really uh, to worry about Carolina fans. And he got in the hands of McCaffrey, and they just went to town on the Cleveland defense. One more thing that I did learn and that everybody else should learn. Next week, there will be two angry teams. So it's going to be a very angry, angry L.A. Los Angeles is going to be very, very angry. Mm-hmm. Okay, a very angry town, right? If Atlanta is as angry as they are, they're going to go in mad. But so are the Rams. Anyways, I've never seen Atlanta play angry. Me neither. <laughs> so that's I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, Going back to Mayfield, um, he was 16 and 27, 235 yards. He had a touchdown, but he had a really bad interception. And that, and as I saw that interception, I'm thinking to myself, okay, that's the Baker that the Cleveland fans are just basically got tired of. Yeah, they don't miss that. And, and I'm also learning that kickers, what is wrong with y'all not making these field goals to end? We, we, we're sitting here watching the Titans and the Giants, and the Titans just lost on – on a missed field goal. Right. <laughs> right? Jacoby yeah, Brissett. the Giants. Yeah, and Jacoby Brissett for the Browns, he went 18-34, 147 yards and a touchdown. But really, he was smart. He said, okay, wait, I got Nick Chubb back here. I'm just going to let him go for 140 yards. You got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yes. Now, now Kareem Hunt, which is interestingly enough, he asked for a trade earlier. I don't know how, how that is going and how silent that is. Well, he got going. a touchdown today. He did get a touchdown. So, look, when you got those two in the backfield, Listen, I can hold this down yes. <laughs> until Watson gets back. Why not? Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so we're discussing if the Browns happen to be seven and four, which is very. And we talked. We look again. This was a conversation we had before we came on air. Browns schedule very, very in their favor. Yeah. Like they only they do have a game against Buffalo at the back end of it, and I think one against Baltimore and Cincinnati. And of course, you know, as they go through the division. I'm not sure about, to be honest, I'm now not sure about Cincinnati. We'll see if that is a hangover game, and we'll find out once the Bengals get into the meat of their schedule. But, again, they play the Jets next week in uh, in Cleveland. In Cleveland. And Joe Burrow, by the way, I think he's the first quarterback in history to have four interceptions and three, and three fumbles, not lost. but oh, No, I'm sorry, three, I think it was three sacks, four interceptions, and a half to start the season. Yeah, he oh, wow. did not have a good game at all. Yeah, Bur- that Bur- game Bur- should never have gotten into overtime. Yeah, it should have never went to overtime. Do the missed kicks. And, yeah, missed kicks. Missed kicks. Yep. Damn. Yeah, man, it was – Yeah. Out <laughs> to forget. Yeah, listen, Not. I don't know. I don't know if it's the preseason hangovers or if it's the week before. Yeah, because remember, the they're, they're, once we got to three preseason games, things have got kind of got a little wonky mm-hmm. because usually – the first team has a little more time in there, maybe not much, but it, to do, and you could practice in this all you want, but unless you're doing it in game conditions, it's not really working for you. Yep. So this might be the first time that he's really been in game conditions. And remember, they were off last week. I mean, that, that fourth preseason week was gone. They weren't working, so it was just, you know, it, you might be right there. You might be rest. We'll see when they get into their into their game two, into week two, but I'm looking at the Browns' schedule. I want to say it. It's a third, after the Jets, it's a Thursday night game with the Steelers, mm-hmm. then Atlanta here, then it's Leon's Chargers, not the Los Angeles Chargers, but Leon's Chargers. Leon's Chargers. <laughs> uh, then it's the well Patriots, who looked, as I said, looked terrible, Ravens, Bengals, off-week Dolphins, and then Bills. Six and five, 
definitely doable. I think seven and four seven is and doable. Yeah. Eight and three, maybe a little outside, but that's judging that's if they perform the way they perform today whether or not they still have that consistent running attack if other teams can figure out a way to stop it and once they get film on they might they're going to have to adjust and do something maybe rely on Joby, Jacoby Brissett's arm a little more in yeah. that case we don't know what's going to happen with that but I, I do look at them to go 2-0 and um, the Jets looked really bad I cannot overstate how bad they looked John we got to make it juicy man Let's make it juicy. Okay. Will Deshaun Watson be the richest backup? No. In history. No. That, no. I, I, I wish they would do it. I wish they would. What if they were six? Okay. So I, if not, they were not, seven and four, four I, if they were seven and four or eight and three, I wish they would do it. Well, they but they're not going to. If they went eleven and zero, oh, they might do it. They won't. They won't do it. <laughs> they still won't do it. No. It, no. That's Watson's job. I'm yeah. sorry. You. I. I guarantee this man two hundred thirty million dollars. Yeah. Each, each and every bit of it. Each and every penny. <laughs> no. You gonna play? No, no he's playing. Yeah, you gonna play? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And sorry, Kobe. And, 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 and I'll tell you what. What the 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 side effect that that's having is reverberating through the league. And I'm looking at Lamar Jackson. Okay. Lamar Jackson yeah. wants that kind of money. Exactly. And Baltimore, Baltimore basically, in the nicest way possible, said the Browns are lunatics for doing this. <laughs> yeah. And we're not. And you're looking that as a guide. Yep. We're not simply because the Browns are loonies. Yeah. Yeah. But give them credit. This is from everything I've been hearing. This is has not been an acrimonious contract situation between Lamar and the Ravens. That's yeah, still that's, it, that's correct. He'll be all right. They want. It, he'll be all right. Yeah, so Lamar is betting on himself huh. for this season. Well, in this case, he's going to have to. I don't yeah, think he has, he no has choice. a choice to do this. Like, he has to prove that he is worth every bit of what Watson and even what Mahomes is getting. Yes. Right? Because I'm pretty sure he wants in between that ballpark. Right. You know? He has an MVP, he has an MVP under his belt, right? Yes, yes but, he but he only has one playoff win. Right. Okay. That's the thing. They, yeah. they, I, I, it's safe to say that uh, if barring – Catastrophic events. Baltimore will be in the playoffs this year. Right. Ever since he has taken the helm, they have been a perennial playoff contender. And Baltimore plays the AFC East for the first four matchups. They get that wow. out of the way early. Yeah, Simply the, and also the Jets get the AFC North out of the way early. Oh, well, they're going 0-4. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, we know that. Yes. The Ravens could split, too. With, they yeah. could split, too. With the, it depends on the Patriots, but the Patriots didn't no, I, 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 I'm putting that Patriot game in the yeah. L, in the L yeah, for New England. So that's the 3-1? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping the Cardinals come back next week very, very angry. I'm hoping the Cardinals come back pissed. <laughs> Everybody's going to the they everybody's the typing up. Everybody's typing up who they're going to play. Yeah, they're playing the Chargers. Yeah. Daniel's already got it. They're oh, playing yeah. Chargers? Oh. Is that what? Yeah. No, I, th- I think I, they're playing somebody else. No, they're playing, they're playing the Jaguars. Oh, please. No, 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 no. I thought they were playing. Oh, man. No, I'm sorry. That's the Chargers. No, your Chargers are playing the Jaguars. Yeah, okay. right, I'm not that's... worried about them. I'm talking about who, who the Cardinals playing. I want uh, the Cardinals to come back angry. Uh, the Cardinals are playing the Raiders. Yeah, they got to be angry. Oh, they're okay. playing that's the Raiders. Yeah. 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 If it was... <laughs> I want the Cardinals to come back angry. That's why he wants an yeah. angry Cardinals. Well, they yeah. can beat up on the Raiders oh, and yeah. go to and go, yeah, well, the current, again, the Chargers play the Chiefs on Thursday night. They got that short week. Yeah, that was a big win for you guys today. Yeah, you needed yeah, that, you w. Needed you, that w. I mean, we, we said this, that the Chargers might have had the toughest schedule coming out of the gate. Yep. And that's a huge win we had tonight. 
LV and then KC on a short week. On a short week. It's gonna be on very, Thursday night to hey, open we, up the Amazon Prime. We yes. got JC Jackson and we got Khalil Mack specifically mm-hmm. for the Golden State Warriors. I mean the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> but at, le- at least if you if you can get past that, you've got a week and a half rest. For where is it? I'm still even, trying even, to find it. Even more nonsense. More than likely, yeah. You know what? It, you know. Oh, the Jack. Uh, then it's the Jaguars. Yeah, we, we, we should okay. we should get that. Yeah. yeah, that'll be three. That if you can beat the if you can beat the Chiefs, the Chiefs, you're yeah. three and zero. Oh. Absolutely, yeah. and in great position, especially being two and zero oh in the AFC yeah. West. Especially in the AFC, where we're get, it's going to get dark early. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like I said, that is the tough. CBS was was uh, teasing a segment saying, "Is the AFC West the toughest division in football? Or will it be?" I'm like, "It is." Yeah. <laughs> that's not that's not a question for me. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah, and we haven't seen Denver yet. Denver's going to play Seattle tomorrow, Monday night. Ooh, yeah. Grudge match. Yeah, and that's like the third grudge match of the of the opening week. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they set it up this way. Well, oh, wrong. Is the NFL above that? No, of course the NFL's not no. above that. No, they love they love juiciness like they that. They love that on <laughs> the opening week, and it drives up you know drives yeah. up the eyeballs. It drives up the eyeballs. The Raiders like are we weren't gonna watch Troy. anyway. Yeah, right. And, and Joe and Troy are calling the games. Right. You know, so they, it's gonna be ESPN's first you yeah. know, with Joe and Troy doing it. Right. And they so get a double hair next yeah, week. And, and and again, Russ is going back to Seattle. Oh yeah. Right. So. And how funny is that that you put that week one, right? About as funny as you put Baker yeah, going yeah, 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 Cleveland yeah. coming in to play you in week one. Yep. Darren, we got to ask. This is an Atlanta question. For those of us who are listening, or for those of you guys who are listening, we are broadcasting from the Atlanta area. All right. Twitter was ablaze. Mm-hmm. The Atlanta fans wrote Timmy. Oh. <laughs> as the theme song as the Atlanta Falcons anthem. And for those of those for those of you guys who don't know, real Timmy is he played um, Dre on Power. Okay. Yeah. R&B artist. Uh, uh, he's a great, phenomenal singer. Mm-hmm. But he is uh, he by lineage he's from Africa. Yeah. He's not black American. Um, second, he's not from Atlanta. He's a New Jersey native. <laughs> <laughs> and he's actually, and, I mean, he's singing the entry song to Atlanta Falcons. And this it's safe to say that Atlanta is the entertainment hub of America. It's certainly the R and B it's certainly the uh, hip hop. Absolutely. It certainly is hip hop. Absolutely. And you got how many hip hop artists in Atlanta? And we're actually natives? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) And they they chose a New Jersey native and they they chose you know, hip they chose a New Jersey native and a gentleman from the motherland. At least they got Trey Young to ring the bell. Yeah, yeah, they got something right. <laughs> yeah, at least they did that. It could be a fan, Leon. I don't know. I kind of agree with Leon. You got. I mean, you. I mean, basically, you walk. You can walk down the street. You you can throw a rock and hit a good Atlanta rapper. Yeah, yes, <laughs> that's right. That's right. You walk. You walk down Marietta Street. Pick up a rock. Throw it in any direction. You're gonna hit a good Atlanta rapper during the Super Bowl. Yeah. Who do they have perform? Big boy, big boy, and yeah. CB yep. Brown. Oh, yeah, you had to bring him out. Yeah. You have the Atlanta, you have the Atlanta anthem. Like it goes back with Johnson. You could just throw a rock. You can hit Ludacris on You can hit Future Side Ahead. You can hit Domingos. You it can hit been Future. It should have probably should have been Future. Man, my goodness, one of the Future is the hottest rapper going on right now. Come on, yeah. you could have hit two chains upside the head, and he's probably got the best rap song out. Come on now, right you could have hit Ti with Tim's and, with Tim's and, and Drake on the uh, track. So he's he's got. He, yeah, I, I they could have got Rich Homie. 
They could have got a little baby. They could have got a little baby. I mean, they could have got. Oh my god! I mean, we see this that young thug. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, they can't get thugger. They thug. Hey, on on thug, he's pleading the fifth. He's taking the fifth on that one. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. Well, well, that's that's gonna wrap us up. Reinhardt was off last week because of a uh, tragic circumstance over in Lebanon, Tennessee, with with Cumberland University. One of their one of their, I believe, a former player was killed in an accident following their game against Warner University. So we, all our prayers and thoughts going out yes, to that community. Reinhardt will be in action next Saturday against Point University. So the three of us will be making our yearly trek to Valley, Alabama. It did not rain last time, but we were outside. Hopefully we will not be outside and get back in their booth. But I am very, very doubtful of that. Me too. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Pace Academy lost to Lovett 30-20, to and absolutely a game that was pretty much given up by the Pace Academy defense. Lovett's most of their points came on Pace defense miscues. Two block punts, two block kicks that went for touchdowns. Yeah, It was just a terrible game all the way around, and in fact, it was Lovett's region opener, so they are now 0-1 in the region. Lions will take on Woodland at Stockbridge this Friday. You can catch it as Daniel and I will have the call on the NFHS Network, and again, the three of us on the call of Reinhardt at Point on ReinhardtEagles.com. I'm John Morgo for Leon Brown, Daniel Bolton. We'll see you next week. Thank you to Ben Moore from, three, four, from 247 Sports stopping by. Again, you can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey, SoundCloud, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Appreciate your support. We are the last three guys to do a podcast, and we'll see you next week.